Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on the Roundtable, we finish off Season 4 and continue our discussion on new power and its implications for the church. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at the Roundtable. Wish I wish to become the most powerful being in the universe. I will have the power to get rid of you. Look, I'm still the same guy. But with power? See, my powers are beyond your mortal imagination. That is strength, boy. That is power. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power. Why every time you get a little position of power, you abuse your authority? You think it's that easy? That I'm just going to hand you the secret to limitless power? All who gain power are afraid to lose it. You've enjoyed all the power you've been given, haven't you? I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. Welcome, this is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and today with me is Terry in Austin, Texas. How you doing, Terry? I'm doing flipping amazing today. <laughs> flipping amazing. Man, that was a little aggressive, too. You just kind of came out of the game swinging, man. Oh, we're, okay. bringing some, we're bringing some non-COVID energy to the podcast today. Yeah, yeah since we, we all three have just gotten over it. Uh, Brenna, welcome to your first day out of quarantine. Oh, Brenna Varner in Albany. My goodness, it's so good to be out of quarantine. <laughs> It was 10 days in a small motor home and things got weird. Things got real weird. You know, at the end of, or that's not the end, in Talladega Nights, uh, when Ricky Bobby is uh, thinking he's on fire and is running around in his whitey tidies and somehow a helmet, like both of those things are happening and he's just yelling for people to help him. That's what yesterday felt like. Like, what is life? What is the meaning of life? All right. Yeah. I, I felt like I had a helmet. And and I was running around like a crazy person. You didn't finish the tidy helmet and the tidy whities. And the tidy whities. Yeah. So the, you're going to be doing a lot of editing on this podcast because this is Brenna Unplugged today. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. It's it's good to have you guys. Today we're going to wrap up season four, kind of looking through and getting some ideas for season five. Excited about where we're going to head in the future. We're going to take a little bit little bit of a break, and we thought we could wrap up season four with a discussion of the book we've been looking at this entire time, which is New Power by Jeremy Hyman's and Henry Tins. But kind of thinking it through about what the implications for you know the church is, the implications for power structures, all that stuff. And so today, there's a couple of different things we want to look at. And so, Terry, why don't you kind of kick us off on on getting us started at what we want to look at as far as this book goes? Yeah, so there, there are two two big things. Uh, the first is uh, the idea that uh, Hyman's and Tim's uh, talk about the, the participation scale, right? And so we talk about old power versus new power. And really, it's how do people participate in a movement? How do people participate in, in a specific organization? And so we're, we're going to get into that. And then even this really cool kind of, it's almost kind of a, a magical thing, is the idea of a super participant, you know? And I think this is insanely relevant to the church because, you know, for so for so long in the West, churches have... We, we all have super participants, right? It's, it's it, what's it, the, old, the Pareto principle where 20% of the people do 80% of the work and, you know, the giving and all of that sort of thing. And so there, there's always been this sense of super participants that have been a part of the church. And, and I think the question that we want to raise and 
help our uh, our listeners wrestle with is what are we doing with those guys? Like, are we just simply relying on relying on them to fund this thing and to like make sure all the all, all the pieces of the cog is moving and working? Or can we actually begin to think uh, of these super participants and say, hey, let's unleash these guys into the world and really see impact of movement? And by guys, you mean guys and gals. You're using that in a gender neutral term, correct? One hundred percent. That's yeah. That yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm from Texas, man, and I, I'm a Texan who refuses to use the word y'all, and so guys is my word. Use guys. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're actually a Texan if you don't use y'all. I, I don't even write it out. It's you all. I'll say you all yeah. before I say y'all. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you've got the pickup truck, but yeah. you don't have the you don't have the y'all or the. Hat. I'm kind of disappointed, but that's all right. All right. So let's start with the participation scale, because I, I, I think that's really good. And in the book, it's where is that found in the book? It's like in chapter what? Uh, it's in it's chapter four, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter four. And I, I know that you jumped on this pretty quick, Terry, when, yeah. when you kind of came across. It. I know you've taught uh, organizations this. Um, so why don't you kind of give us a brief overview of how they they kind of look at old power behaviors and new power behaviors and the participation scale in both of those. Yeah. So, you know, most organizations and really, you know, we use the word organizations when we talk about churches, man, wouldn't it be fantastic if we moved away from referring to the church as an organization and refer to the church as a movement. And that's the thing I love about this book is they're not really interested in seeing organizations thrive. They want to see movements thrive. And so when we think of church as a movement, we, we can look at how what are the behaviors and how people in that movement behave? Uh, how do they interact? How do they participate? And so uh, there are eight aspects of participation that Hyman's and Tim's uh, lay out in, in this scale. And on the on the low end, the far left side of the scale, it's really uh, there, there, there are two basic uh, components. And we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but they're old behavior, old power behaviors. And that is this idea of traditional compliance, that we simply want people to comply with what we're doing, right? We, we say, hey, love Jesus, do this, act this way. We just want you to comply with what we're doing. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to open the doors at 11 o'clock on a Sunday. You know, we want you to comply and be there, right? Uh, the uh, the other the other aspect of that is is consumption, right? It's the traditional idea of consumption. What does it mean to consume what's being offered? And so this idea of old old uh, power behavior at a basic level, when people participate, the lowest level of participation is simply complying and consuming, which I would say makes up a way too much the majority of participation in the church. I mean, you, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, don't we always say that, uh, you know, one of the big knocks on the church is that it's a dispenser of religious goods and services? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, just come in, do do what we're doing, and then just just get, just receive what we're going to give you, whether it's a worship service, a, a preaching, a sermon, you know, here are all these programs for you and your people and all that stuff. But at the, at the basic level, that's been a knock we've had for a long time. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think even beyond that, then what we ask people to participate in is programs of the church. So we're going to create avenues of participation, um, but it's going to be to serve the traditional programs and, and processes of our church. And so um, what's cool of thinking through some of these new power participation scales is there's lots of avenues and yeah. ways that people can participate and ways that we can 
put work into people's hands rather than us dictating like, hey, this is the way you're going to participate. Uh, it opens it up and gives ideas for uh, how can you participate uh, with where you're at in life right now or uh, where you're feeling called. How can you join a movement and be a part of the movement? And so as we look into the, some of these new power behaviors, you know, they kind of go up in as far as um, in investment and involvement. Yeah. And as people are more invested and involved, they also uh, have a, such a shaping voice. <clears throat> and so I think one of the keys for us as, as leaders, if we're looking at like, hey, we've got some old power things, is um, we've got to be willing to let go of some of those controls. And we need to be able to look at what we're controlling that we don't need to control that we can put back into other people's hands so that they can start moving through some of these new power ways of participating you know things like sharing um their ideas and affiliating and taking ideas and adapting them to be their own we've got to allow people to take an idea and make it their own and we've got to be willing to let people do that yeah and and, and i think it's it's important that we again we, we throw this we've thrown this disclaimer out a couple times uh this season that old old power isn't necessarily a bad thing Right. It, it, it's it only is a bad thing is when you you only rely on that kind of power. Right. There, there is a place for compliance. There is a pl it always sounds bad, but there is a place for compliance. There is a place for consuming. And what we want to do is we want to challenge the church to to expand beyond this as our primary mode of participation. And as the church can move out of that and into these things that you're talking about, I, I think the church is going to, it's going to rediscover it, it, its heart of mission. It's going to rediscover its impact in a community. And it's going to re it's going to rediscover a, an energy and a fire that people are excited, right? I mean, you can get people, you, you know, gosh, I hate saying this, but it, it, it's true because I'm guilty of it. And I, and I this is something I, I I've, I've had to repent from and even like really have some spiritual moments with Jesus and talk through, but you know, there, there there are churches that are guilty of using manipulation to elicit a response out of people. You know, I remember what I, I are know, you kidding me? I know, I know, and <laughs> I've, I've I've been guilty of that in the past. I mean, that's actually one of the things I was really really good at um, before I got into this whole missional incarnational wheelhouse and movement and. And it's just one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, man, you gotta. The lights need to be at this specific spot. You need the, the the audio needs to be here. We need this amount of bass so that it hits your chest, so it elicits a physical kind of you know reaction. And so all of these, you can elicit and manipulate people to get a response. But man, it's so exhausting. It's so tiring. Is it, is and it really the response you want? No, it's not. And it could, because when you, when you rely on compliance and consumption, you only, you, that's really the only option you have for the most part in getting a true response where people are excited. They're like, you know, why, well, why do people like run into the worship center on a Sunday morning? It's because they want, they're chasing that high. They're chasing that feeling. They're chasing that thing that, that a worship service may provide and and the pressure it puts on leadership like you've got to replicate that week after week after week and you know one of the things that I, I mean the first time i ever heard this it used to it bugged me so much but it's the idea that sunday's coming right as soon as you finish one sunday it's like hey sunday's coming again we got to re we got to do this over and over again and it's this sense of pressure to do this 
But if we were to step out of that and say, okay, there are other ways for people to get excited, right? You, you can get more excited about being a part of the church rather than I get to raise my hands up and worship the Lord. You know, there's more than you can do that. There's all these different things. And so let's, I, I'd say, let's jump into these and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on some of this stuff. Well, yeah, I'd love, yeah. And so, so here in just a second, if you would, Terry, like map out the rest of the participation scale, because you talked about old behaviors, just complying, consuming, but what you just said, the trick there was an all in that word manipulating. Yeah. So you said you, there's a way to manipulate these behaviors and manipulating is really about power. And it's about yeah. a leader saying, I'm going to get you to do this, 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 and this. That's right. And the, the thing that I love about this conversation is it, again, the new power, it gives power away. Mm-hmm. And so as you're going to, as you're going to kind of continue on this participation scale, once you, Brenda, you started hitting on it, but Terry, would you kind of, uh, kind of finish out the rest of it here, yeah. these other, whatever, however many there are, think about the, the opportunity to give power to people, the opportunity to say, Hey, it's not about me trying to get you, me as a leader, trying to get you to do something, but it's about empowering you, equipping you, coming alongside, you have a space and a, and a voice in this movement. So Terry, take us through the rest of it. Yeah. So, and, and again, the, this, this is not written for the church. This is just simply written for movements. And so some of these are going to resonate hardcore for us as church leaders. And for others, it would be, oh, I don't know exactly how that might work, but we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. So the two most basic ways to participate, like I said, are the old power behaviors of complying and consuming. Then you have these six additional levels of participation, and, and the level of participation kicks up a notch on each one of these as you go. And these are, these are what Tim's and Hyman consider new power behaviors. And so the first one is this idea of sharing. How can you have sharing? People participate through this, this act of sharing. So sharing other people's content, sharing people's ideas. It's it's almost this reciprocation, right? Uh, we're seeing a, a big movement in, I never say this word right, so dialogical preaching. Did I say it right? Dialogical? Yeah. Yep. So I know Dan White Jr. is is big on this idea that can we move our, our preaching to more of a dialogue where there's a give and a take, where there's some reciprocation. And so this idea of sharing ideas and content with other people. Uh, the next level bumping up a little bit is this idea of affiliating. So it's the idea of endorsing or joining other communities who are actively involved in new power participation. And so I, I see when I first read this, I was like, how does that really apply to the church? I think there's some really significant ways because we're seeing more and more people attend church less, but they are actively affiliating with a lot more uh, faith-based organizations. So back in my day, when I was a kid, you had you went to one church, and I remember even at the boys' home, you know, every house parent we'd have someone different. We'd go to another church, and I always felt like I was cheating on the church before. It's like oh, I can't go to this church. I go to that church, and I'm cheating. You know, it's like and and they they didn't care about denomination. So I'd be Nazarene one week, I'd be Baptist the next week, and Pentecostal, and I always just felt like I was cheating on the church I was supposed to be at. Well, no one has that guilt. These aren't these younger generations. There's not an ounce, a, a blip of guilt when it comes to, oh, yeah, I listen to that podcast. I'm on that feed. I go to that church. I'm a part of that group over there. And none of them are from the same organization. They're just affiliating with different organizations for a, a spiritual movement. And so so affiliating is a huge, a huge one. Uh, the next one is this idea of adapting. And this is one of my favorite ones because this is the idea of remixing right? It's, it's taking something that's out there and saying, okay, let me put my own, 
my own spin on it, right? Let me put my own my, my own vibe to this. What does that look like? So it's giving people permission to take something that we hold as important, sacred, holy, and saying, okay, go make this your own, right? And when we're seeing a big uptick in this, where people are saying, oh, I, I, can, I can be the church in a way that fits who I am. I don't have to fall into the mold of, you know, of, oh, I need to wear a certain dress on a Sunday morning for, if I'm a female or if I'm a man, I've, I make sure I have a tie and a coat. There are so many different ways of adapting and remixing and making your own things. All right. So the next level is this idea of funding. So participating through funding. And so basically what this looks like is this idea of uh, participating with your money that is more affiliated uh, with what, what's, what, what you're kind of going on. And so in the church, I think this is one of those kind of the, the sketchy ones. I'm not exactly sure how it works because the funding models we have for churches are so set in stone traditionally. Uh, I think we're desperately in need of a new way of participate to participating through funding. I think we've got to think differently in how we fund our works and, and, and the church in the West moving forward. But this is one of those that I, I'll be honest, I still have a little confusion around. Uh, and then the next one is this idea of producing. And so what does it look like for letting your people in your congregations participate in your church where they're actually producing content? They're producing uh, and delivering messages and trainings and all of those sorts of things. Um, we, I think we've hit in the past about Nadia Boltz Weber and how if you if you go to her church, you know, you could you, you walk through the door and you might get tapped on the shoulder and say, hey, you want to lead part of liturgy today? You know, you want to you want to deliver this prayer. You want to deliver this, you know, a benediction or whatever. It's this idea of letting people come in and produce and, and, and be a part of what's going on. And then the, the last the highest level of participation is this idea that they refer to it as shaping. Uh, so it's shaping and protecting uh, the norms of a new power community. So it is literally that is when it, you give the keys to the kingdom to every person in the organization that you truly say, hey, we're going to let the people really shape this. Um, and so, again, we're not saying, you know, we're not saying a void of leadership. We're not saying, you know, stop having leadership and just let the let everyone kind of do what they want. But it's it's leading in a way that says, hey, yeah, we're leading. We're responsible for stewarding this movement, but we're going to tap and let everyone else play a role in shaping this to to to, to how we move forward. So that so that's that's the whole new power of behaviors. I'll give you a practical example of some of this. So we just launched the um, podcast with Mike Gerald a few weeks ago uh, from Creo Creo Collective. Um, and what I love about them is they're kind of a, a sister organization to Forge. I love what they're doing, right? And so that was us kind of, we're affiliating with them. You know, we're kind of doing some of the same stuff, but we want to affiliate with them. We, you know, right now it's just a, a sheer relationship. It's it's a lot of a personal relationship, but there's a lot of crossover in how that works. But then the other part of it was in that podcast, Mike talks about how he tried the Bell's missional rhythms in his community. Yeah. And he goes, it just didn't work. It was just, it just did not, it did, it didn't hit. And so what he did is he took the idea and he adapted it. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a whole different thing. So he came up with reach, which is his acronym and how they do it. And I was like, that's brilliant, man. That's beautiful. You know, here you've taken this idea, this concept, which we champion, you know, we are all about Michael Frost and bells and all that stuff. Uh, but he's taken it and said, it didn't work. I'm going to adapt it. And it, he, he created a, a beautiful thing out of that. Yeah. I love that. 
You know, we've done something similar here with our uh, network of of micro churches, but even like even a step more participation. Um, I've put up some main buckets of like, hey, I think these should be our rhythms, but it's just going to be an experiment, and we're gonna we're gonna work on each of these, and then we're gonna come back on a feedback loop and be like, is this the thing that we want it to be? Does it need to be something else? So as a community, and it's a smaller community, so we we have the the nimble. What's the word I'm looking? We're nimble enough. There it is. There you go. There you go. <laughs> COVID friends um, <laughs> to be able to have those conversations. But I have to be willing for my ideas to not be the thing. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's it's a challenge and uh, to leave it open for other people to put their fingerprints all over. And it might not be what I wanted, but it might have a lot more ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the beautiful part of it. Right. You're giving power away. I, Terry, I'm going to speak to the one on funding. Yeah. Because as you were talking about it, I get that. What's interesting to me in this one is how high up it is on the participation scale. Like yeah. it's the third highest one up there. And I would say traditional funding now goes under almost the category of complying. In other words, when you join most church organizations, this is a part of what you do. It's kind of that unspoken thing, especially when they're passing a plate and it's in your face right then and there, right? Yeah. And different churches do it different ways, but that is kind of the traditional model. And so funding it is kind of a compliance thing. Like I comply, I I do this. Where on this one, it is like, I'm excited about what we're doing. I'm excited about that I have ownership in this. I'm excited about the vision. So obviously I'm gonna take my resources and join it to that passion because that makes sense. And those resources happen to be, some of them happens to be financial. And I'm going to, I'm going to put it there. And so it is, it could be the same thing, but to me, it feels like it, it's a different, um, it's a different heart motive. It's a different posture when you're funding it that way, as opposed yeah. to funding it in just a traditional compliance sort of way. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you may be listening to the podcast here and you're like, well, no, well, hold on. I mean, I think there are people in my church who do some of these things. Right. And so you could even say, well, people are funding our church. So are, are they, if those who are faithfully tithing and doing those things are, are are they practicing a new power behavior of funding very very possibly it's very possible and then you look at some of these other things it's like well so and so leads a, a a sunday school class or a small group then they're there we give them free will to kind of create their own content and and do what they want to do and, and and so so you may have some of that going on and and here's the thing i i, I don't think these new power behaviors are like you know, they're not, they're not like the Dead Sea Scrolls. We've just un, we've just discovered these, and the church has never had it. No, I, I think I, I think there are probably people in the church who are participating in this manner. I think the 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 issue that we have to be be mindful of, and almost kind of like, yeah, I need to admit it, and then how do I move forward? Uh, and this kind of moves us into this this next uh, conversation is the people that do participate in this mode are often few and far between, right? It, it is those that as pastors, it's like the super faithful, right? Those that you can, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna start this new Wednesday night event. And, you know, dad gummit, as I'm planning and prepping, you know, when we open those doors, I can probably write down, you know, seven names that I know they'll be there because they're always faithful to come. They're always, you know, and those are those are those super participants, right? You know, before we jump into super participants, there's a part at the end of the book that I just thought was it was so helpful. I think for us as church leaders, one of the, uh, the practical outputs that they are things that they said to do was to occupy yourself and to look at your 
organizational structure and ask where is the power <laughs> and be really honest about that. And to say like, what would your strongest critics say? What, you know, where, where are things in, in imbalance? And I would even say beyond what uh, it says in the book, holding it up against uh, the church and acts and say, okay, what is the church supposed to look like? What is, what does power look like there? And how, how are we different? And it's not necessarily, and they say in the book, um, this isn't a, like, let's blow it up. Um, what we need is leaders who are willing to say, where do we need to move into new power things? So I think we need to be honest and say, where are we holding power that we should be giving it away? And then practically, like we're looking at these areas and these are ways that we can in the next year, in the next five years, start giving those powers away. And how are people um, going to participate in that and how we're going to free them up to do that? Yeah. And a lot of this is a balance, right? You know, we're not saying, you know, go hardcore, swing the pendulum one way. It really is a balance, right? We, we want to put these things in tension and balance. And, you know, one of the things from several years ago that I just, you know, I would just I'll find myself always praying, Lord, why, 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 why do I have to deal with so many different things? Why isn't this, why can't I just finally be done with this? And every time I'd read Paul when he's lamenting about his own, his own, his own walk, his own followership. And, and it just hit me one day. It's like, I think, I think God wants us to live in tension. I think that's part of the point. I think that's part of like the journey, not in a way that's unsustainable, not in a way that, that is burdensome, but in a way that, no, I think we just have to, I think that's part of being human is mm-hmm. living in the, living in the tension of things. We have to, we have to approach things in balance that, you know, am, am I conservative? Am I liberal? I, I, I need to, I need to be both. I need to have that in a balance. I need to live in the tension of what that means. And you can go, am I Baptist or am I Catholic? Well, I would probably should live in the tension between the two. Right. Uh, and, and I think that, that we talk a lot about the third way of Jesus. And I, I think a lot of things, you know, not everything. And, you know, again, I could, you know, some, someone listening could probably get me in trouble on some things, but <laughs> basically for the most part, I, I think this third way of living like Jesus is just simply living in the tension of balancing things. And so I think the same thing with participation and looking at each one of these different things, it's, it's really putting, living in the tension. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the book that, that these guys, uh, that hit on is, is the idea of the, they refer to it as the founder's feeling. Uh, what does it mean to, to have a founder's feeling that, you know, founders are always all in, right? And so anytime someone, the, the, the church planting pastor, right? The guy who found the church, they're, they're all in until they're usually no longer around, right? <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where we can get protective with some of that. And I think we have to live in a balance with that. But even the idea of what does it look like to give agency to other people, mm-hmm. right? And, and be able to say, yeah, I founded this thing or I'm the big stakeholders. And and for a lot of churches, I think that's that's probably the language they have to wrestle with is like, who are the stakeholders? You know, the elders, the deacons, the ones who are holding the power in their hands and saying, can, can not, not that we have to give all the power away, but can we give some agency to, to the people, to the congregation and give some of these things, release some of these things and, and allow people to experiment and, and participate. And, and I think that is the way to, to, to abolish the Pareto principle in the church. And I think this is a principle in the church that has plagued the church for so long. Um, and it's, again, it's the idea that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, you know, whatever the work is, funding, 
ministry, teaching, all of that. It, it all comes from this small group of people. So much that I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but when I planted Neighborhood Church Collective, gosh, 14, 15 years ago, our initial jump on when we planted it was we're going to plant the church for the Pareto principle. We basically said we're going to be a church that exists for the 20 and we tell the 80 to go to hell. Like we just, and, and I regret that because I've, I've, I've since now like, oh my gosh, what a horrible way to plan a church. But that was our thing that we were going to be a church that was for the super participant, for the people. Like if you come be a part of what we do. And if you remember 10, 15 years ago, that was common language with a lot of missional guys is like, hey, if you're going to be a part of this church, here are our expectations. You're going to, you're going to be all in. We're, we're not looking for nominal uh, members. We're not looking for nominal believers. Like you have to be all in. We want you to be super committed. And and all in on what though? It, well, all in, exactly. What, the, there's another question there of like, what are we asking people to participate yeah. in? And, and, and what are we counting as participation? Sure. And then when you look up and you're like, oh, wow, why is there only like 50 people here? It's like, well, because you ran everyone off, you idiot. And so, so it's the idea. You, you just admitted... Sorry, you just admitted to planting a church where you're going to tell 80% of the people to go to Basically, hell. Basically, So that's yeah. like the most Baptist thing I think you could ever now, do. You, know, uh, yeah. you didn't actually yeah. say it that that's, way. It's all recorded yeah. now. It's all recorded, man. It's, it's out there hyperbole. now. But with that said, we, we did. We The way that we operate it is we really, we made it super uncomfortable if you weren't a super participant, if you weren't mm-hmm. actively on mission, if you weren't actively engaging and doing those things. And so I think there is a space and, and I've, I've now gone back and said, whoa, 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 I would not do it that way ever again. The coach, the guys I'm coaching on starting micro church networks like ours, I'm like, don't do it that way. That was a huge mistake. I regret it. It, it, it you know, it was backwards thinking. But this idea of what, how do you move from the 20 to spread that out, that it, it, we have to have more participants. We have to look, go and build and move that 20%. And what does it look like to have 30% or 40% or 50%, 60% of your congregation who are living and acting as super participants? Well, you, you've been using that language of super participant. And so let's let's move to that really quick and kind of define what it does. And so in the book, they say this is kind of the structure of a new power community. They say they basically have three key actors. And one is the... Um, the, the platform owner or the platform steward, yeah, yeah. right? So it's the person who has the vision or the group of people who have the vision, the people who are really bought in in that part of it. Then you have the participants. They take part in the platform and they're they're kind of the vast majority. And then you have the super participants. And this is the way they define it here in the book. They say, the energy of a new power community is driven by its super participants, the most active contributors to the platform and often those who create the core assets that power the platform and create its 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 value. So you have those three, which still can have the that, that principle in place, the 80 yeah. and 20 and all that stuff. But I think it's how those three function together and, and the way that they play out what's happening. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those things where as you as you play with that and and you know even think about your own congregation, you know, you can probably think of families or leaders who you know, they're, they're very winsome. Um, they're, you know, they're like, well, we're still a part of this church because of so-and-so, right? That's how, that's how these movements exist. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for this contributor, if it wasn't for this administrator, moderator, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even engage in, in what this movement is about. Well, the same can be said for the church. And so what does it look like to disciple and equip our people that you, you widen that base, 
right? That we widen that. Now, you're never going to get, and that's the thing that I've, I've now come back on. You're never going to get rid of just the participant, right? You're, you're, you're always going to have those sorts of uh, people in, in, your, in your movement. And here's the thing. It's important that you have those sorts of people, right? You can't have, ev- you couldn't have a, an organization. That, that was our problem. You can't have an organization 100% of super participants. Uh, it's, 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 it's insanely frustrating, right? You, you need people who are willing to walk and, and, and kind of, you know, you, you need followership. You need people who can go to the speed in, in which they can. And, and also it's sustainable because you're going to have seasons where you're a super participant and then, then you're not right. Um, I remember every time this is going to sound horrible, but every time we'd have, uh, one of our leaders, uh, families, uh, if someone got pregnant and it was like, oh, no, we're going to lose that leader in nine months because they're going to become a mom and they're not going to want to hang out. They're not going to want to, like, put energy and time into this. I mean, I wouldn't. And so and it was one of those things where is like it was always that that thing. And 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 the the conversation was, well, we lost that leader. And, you know, it was like, well, no, they're, they, they've been a, an amazing super participant for a season, but they may need to just be a participant for a season. But it doesn't mean that they can't. They can't, you know, vacillate back in to the super participant role when the time is right. But it's, but it creates ebbs and flows when you have this healthy organization that it has differing levels of participation. So they, it, it makes it sustainable. It makes it it makes it not so burdensome. I think the example of Reddit uh, is really yeah. good. Uh, for thinking through how to think about super participants and participants. Because even on Reddit, participants aren't just consuming. I mean, they could, but they're uh, they're invited to discuss it well as well. The super participants on Reddit are the people who are curating the conversations and they are giving of their time. They are very active and involved. And so those those individuals have been given agency to curate that conversation, but without the participants, there's not a conversation. That's right. <laughs> you know, like if if Reddit just had super participants, there'd probably be some conversation among them, but uh, they there wouldn't be the community without the participants. It'd be the most and toxic so... thing on the internet. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if it was just participants without super participants, then it would just be a hot mess, yeah. right? And so, how do we see everyone as participating? Maybe at some point they're they're just consuming, they're just observing and they're processing information. You know, maybe some people are on Reddit and they're just reading, but they're processing the conversation um, and then they'll join in in the conversation. But how are we taking our super participants, I think, and giving them agency to create and to create these spaces that people can participate in? Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of people on social media, you know, like, oh, I'm never on Facebook, you know, and I don't, I don't ever post on Facebook, but you know, they're scrolling every day. They're, they're just watching, they're just observing, and then they finally post something. You're like, oh, yeah, that part is on Facebook, you know? And so, it, it, again, it's, it's giving people permission to, you know, participate it, it, at the level that they, they want. But again, uh, one of the things I love about Reddit, it, it does give a lot of freedom uh, for people to, to move. Right. To, to 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 engage. And, you know, if you look at the participation scale, you can Google it and you'll see the image. It's almost a stair step. Right. You can you can kind of climb the stairs of different levels of participation. And and there are going to be things that people that's their speed. Right. There are some people that like, hey, funding is my speed. 
you know, God has blessed me with, with, with lots and I want to be a good steward of it. And I want to fund things. And, and there are people in this world that act like that. And, and, and that's wonderful. And then you have other people who are just insane content creators that they just, they come up with some of the most amazing and clever and brilliant content pieces that I was like, man, I, I know that concept, but I never would have thought of it to deliver it that way. And that's the beautiful part. You know, we just had a, an internal um, request for in Forge America with all our hub leaders. Someone was saying, hey, I'm doing this thing on APEST. And we sent out uh, an email to all of our hub leaders around the country and said, hey, one of our guys is, is doing an APEST training. What do you guys got? What do you what do you have uh, on APEST that you've you've worked with, you've trained with that you like? And it was amazing to see so many people come out. And I was like, oh, dude you got to do this. I've got this content. We did a, we did a four week thing on that, or we did this and Hey, we did these videos. Oh, we created this document. And it was just so cool to, to, to see so many different people in our tribe take one idea and say, man, here are 15 different ways that we've approached it and done it. And man, it, it just, it, it, it sunk in. It's like, wow, we, we have some amazing people in our tribe who are, remixing and building content and doing all of these different things. And, 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 and it, and it fits for everyone, right? We've got guys who are working with Mennonites and they're making it fit and work with Mennonites. And we've got people who are working with Catholics and they're, and they're, they're twisting and remixing and saying, Hey, here's how, here's how it's palatable to Catholics. And, and, and across the board, we have a, a wide variety of these kinds of things. And I think that is the power of, of, of our tribe. And that's the thing I, I love about what we do is you know, we contextualize these simple concepts and we just, we make it a, approachable that anyone can come in and be a part of this. And so, and I think that's, I think that's the key. And, you know, as we kind of wrap this up and, and look at this whole new power conversation, I think that's kind of the whole point, right? I mean, this idea of how to, how to, how to, how can we mobilize people to participate in a way that gives them more life that gives them more impact and it's more meaningful for them that they they desperately want to come participate. And so they're not just chasing a high of some random thing that we manipulate them or create for them. So, Well, friends, let's bring this home today for our new power discussion. You know, and over the last few months, we've been looking at really how do we give power away in the church? And what's really cool about this book is that culture right now is looking for that. Culture is wanting to, people are wanting to participate. They are wanting to not just consume. And what an amazing time and opportunity for us to join God in giving that power away in the way that he does. Uh, you know, as we've discussed this book, we're just three idiots with microphones. <laughs> so, uh, and, and we are seeing things from certain lens. So if you've been listening and you are like, Hey guys, you haven't even considered this or I, what about this? Or, um, maybe you've had some really big takeaways or something that stuck out to you. Will you shoot us an email? Um, either any one of us, Terry, Brenna, Allen at Forge America, uh, and just let us know what you're processing or, or what, what's, the Spirit's been saying to you in this process. We'd love to hear it um, and we'd love to be able to share it. And as we wrap up this season four and look into season five, we look forward to, to more conversations, more of these three idiots with microphones and some, some really fantastic guests that are bringing gospel life from their parts of, of the world and the country uh, to share with us. 
So thanks for listening, friends. Thanks for joining us for season four. Go and give away your power and give other people agency to be workers in God's kingdom and his shalom. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.